welcome to the Sunday morning service. You're listening to the First Century Apostolic Church FCAC Tema Community 5, Ghana. We preach, teach, and live the complete and unadulterated Word of God with genuine miracles, signs, and wonders taking place at every meeting with the Holy Spirit. Our aim is the following the steps of the apostles and disciples of the First Century Church founded by our Lord Jesus Christ. Get ready, therefore, for a powerful encounter with the Word and power of God, brought to you by Reverend Dr. V.C.Y. Edwards, the General Overseer of FCAC. He is a seasoned man of God who is blessed with a powerful teaching and deliverance ministry. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. prompt for our morning church services. Your life will never be the same again. God richly bless you as you join us in the service. Shall we all be seated? And let's open our Bible to the book of Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, verses 16 to 34. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, verses 16 to 34. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands 
nor receive worship with men's hands, although he needed anything, anything, sorry, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And I determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might hope, they might grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, but we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God has overlooked. But now, commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionysius and, and the Aropagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Giving over to idols. The title of today's message is Giving Over to Idols. Giving Over to Idols. As a very serious statement. Giving over to idols. Not to God, but to idols. It is something that should never happen to anybody. To any town or city. Giving over to idols. The scripture that we have just read um, tells about Paul during his second missionary journey. On his second missionary journey, he arrived in a city called Athens. And Athens happened to be a city, a city of Greece. And during that time, he had to spend some days waiting for uh, Silas and Timothy to join him. You had to wait in the city of Athens for Silas, his missionary companion, traveling companion, to join him. But whilst he was waiting, he noticed something. As he passed through the city daily, he noticed something in the city of Athens. That there were statues and idols everywhere. Statues and idols everywhere. <coughs> And as an apostle and a bond servant of Jesus Christ, seeing idols 
and statues, which were objects of worship, which were being worshipped by the Athenians. The Bible said that his spirit was provoked within him. He couldn't just stand the thought and the sight of it because he knew, he knew very well the spiritual implications of that. With the Athenians, he didn't know, but he knew what that meant spiritually. And what it meant was that the whole city of Athens was given over to idols. Now it had been taken over by the devil. Been taken over by false gods and false worships. And indeed, the entire city was on their way to hell. And they couldn't endure that thought. They couldn't just sit down passively and let that go on. The Bible said that his spirit was provoked within him. Therefore, he spent the whole day reasoning, arguing, preaching Jesus Christ to the Jews in their synagogues. The Jews were there, they are synagogues, but the city had been given over to idols. And he also reasoned with the Gentiles in their places of worship. And even the marketplace, he went to the markets and reasoned and argued with all those who happened to be there. He alone against the city of Athens. One man against the entire city of Athens. Imagine the scenario. Imagine what was going on. And you can imagine them arguing with him and asking questions and also putting up their own argument, trying to defend what they were doing, trying to tell him that they were right and he was wrong, and he telling them that he was right and they were wrong. And this was going on. Praise the Lord. Now, the city of Athens, some of you, if you know the, his, the history of Greece, Greece at that time was the center of learning. It was the center of um, academic excellence. And the Greeks were very, very wise people. The Greeks were very, very wise. Philosophers, scientists, uh, engineers. In fact, Greece was, was known to be the center of, of um, development, progress in the world. And uh, therefore, there were many philosophers there. Philosophers there. And right now, if you know, when somebody get, uh, uh, attains a, a PhD, a PAD, you, you get a first degree, then your second degree is a master's, your third degree is a PhD, a PhD is a philosophy, it's a master of philosophy. That's what PhD means. In other words, you've reached the height, the, the apogee, the, 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 the top limit in the study of that subject. PAD means philosophy in something. And Athens was filled with philosophers. Philosophers. And Bible said they spend their entire day, they are all most of their time doing nothing but listening to new things. New things which they would then consider and argue and try to 
rationalize and, you know, uh, discuss these things uh, with great intellectual competence. You know, philosophers like to look at things, you know, which they consider to be high things, not, not things meant for us, things meant for them, high things. That's what they talk about. So they must have heard Paul talking about Jesus, his death, crucifixion, ascension, and all that. And, and, and they, were, they were sort of interested, they, or they, are inter they became curious. What is this guy talking about? They have never heard of this before. They, they knew all the religions, all the gods were there. All the gods, everywhere, statues and idols. To the point that they had even erected an altar for the unknown god. Because, he, because they, 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 they didn't want to leave any god out. They wanted to make sure that in Athens, all the gods were represented. Every god, including Kankanyame and Antoinyama, were all represented in the city of Athens, they had erected this altar which they called to the unknown God so that in case there was a God who had been left out, that God would be represented there. So that altar was to the unknown God, the God that they did not know. You see, to the unknown God meant that this altar is to the God that we don't know. <laughs> That we don't want to leave any God out. And Paul sees on this opportunity. He uses it to preach Christ to them. The God that we don't know. So he said, Paul said, yes, it's true. There's a God that you don't know. There's a God that you don't know. You know all the gods, all your statues and idols have names. But this one you have left to the God that you don't know. And there is a God. That you don't know. You know all the other gods, but this particular God, you don't know. So you are right. There's a God that you don't know. Praise the Lord. So, there was a place called the Areopagus, or Mass Hill. There was a place, like an auditorium, like a, like a conference, like an international conference, where if you have a new thing, if you have a new doctrine, then they invite you there. Then you face the philosophers. If you come up with any new thing that they don't know, you have to come up there and defend it. You defend that thing. So, naturally, Paul was invited to the Areopagus to come and defend this new doctrine, this new thing that we're talking about. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that, let's go back to our text. Acts 17 Verse 16. That's it for verse 18. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, What does this babbler want to say? Babbler is what he was saying. Sometimes that doesn't make sense. What is he talking about? What does Babla want to say? Others said, well, he seems to be, to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the, and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, 
May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. For, <coughs> excuse me. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, I want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. For we are bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what we are talking about. And this led to Paul to preach a sermon. And Paul's sermon that he preached at the Areopagus, so powerful, so focused, you could see that he was actually being led by the Holy Spirit because in a nutshell, he summarized all of God's, all of God's purpose for mankind, for the world. In a nutshell, Paul preached a sermon that was targeted at idol worshiping. A sermon that was meant to destroy the worship of false gods and to institute to establish the worship of the only true God. Paul's sermon at the Areopagus was inspired and so powerful that in fact the entire city of Athens hearing what he said must have that day burnt all the idols and statues and all of them giving their lives to Jesus. Paul like I said gave a summary of what God actually meant for the world. And which the world has forsaken, which the world has refused to accept because the whole world, Bible said the whole world lies, lies under wickedness. The whole world has been taken over by the prince of the air. And therefore, when you preach anything, it doesn't sink in it doesn't, it doesn't land because the whole world has been taken captive by the prince of the air, by the prince of this world, the god of this world. And this is what Paul said. He said, God made the world and everything in it. This is true. Paul said, when he said God made the world and everything in it. Some will laugh at this. The majority of mankind, when you tell them, they will laugh at you. They will mock you. God made the world and everything in it. It doesn't make sense to them. He is Lord of heaven and earth. What are you talking? What is this babbler talking about? <laughs> what is this fool talking about? He is Lord of heaven and earth. What, what do you mean by heaven? We are here on earth. We are talking about heaven. Where is heaven? He gives life to all. You mean my life was given to me by somebody? My life, I, I am who I am. I came by, by um, you know, uh, by evolution. Evolution. I am who I am by evolution. And then he goes on and say he has placed men to dwell on the face of the earth. I mean, to many people, this is nonsense. He has placed men to, but this is that, you see, this, Paul was giving them the facts. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to please anyone, trying to to sort of embellish, quote them, you are just giving them fact by fact. He has placed men 
to dwell on the face of the earth. It's God who has placed us to dwell on the face of the earth. We just didn't happen to be here by chance. The fact that you were born in Ghana, you were Ghanaian, did not happen by chance. God wants the whole world populated. God who created the heavens and the earth wants the whole earth to be populated. And that's why I didn't put everybody in the UK or America, even though the whole world wants to go to America now. God in his wisdom did make sure he didn't put everybody in America. Praise the Lord. He placed some in Ghana, some in Nigeria, Russia, China. Placed some in South America. Even your own hometown. That's why you are placed there. Praise the Lord. So he, he placed men on the face of the earth. Not only that, he also determined. He determined our pre-appointed times. God did not cause all men to be born in one year and after that, that's what the end. But at any time throughout history, God, pre, God pre-appointed men to be placed on the face of the earth. Now the fact that you were born on your date of birth to that date, it was pre-appointed by God. And your children will continue, your children, children will continue. So we all don't appear in one year and therefore all die in one year. That the human race will go on. This is all by the design of God. That's what Paul said. And it is true. It is true. Not only that, but he also determined the boundaries of our habitation. He determined what your boundaries should be. Now, you being a Ghanaian, once to Togo, you are a foreigner. You are a Ghanaian when you are in Ghana. When you go to Togo, you are a foreigner. Praise the Lord. And if you travel outside Ghana before, if you are in Ghana, better make Ghana, make Ghana to be like the U.S. where you want to go to because this is a place where God has placed you. We like to destroy our nations and then go and enjoy somebody's country. But God has placed us here. We all want to go outside. If you want to give visas to every Ghanaian today, every Ghanaian want to go outside, leaving Ghana desolate, leaving Ghana uninhabited. That's not how God plays it. So let us make Ghana, Ghana that God wants it to be. Praise the Lord. Are you with me today? Then clap your tongue for Jesus. He has determined the boundaries of, of where we should live. Now, not only that, but God having done all these for us, giving us life, everything that we need, determined our time of birth and the time when he will call us to him. God has determined all things. Now, he also intends all men to seek him. It was the original and it is still the intent of God that all men should seek him. Because he's not far away. He's not far from each of us. He's not far at all. He's not far at all. He's not, Bible says he's not beyond the ocean. So you say, who will go and get him for us? He is not high on the mountains. So I say, who will climb up to go and get God for us? He is close to you. If only you will seek him, you will find him. Praise the Lord. 
In fact, the Bible goes on to say that in him, it is actually in him, we live, we move, and we have our being. In other words, God fills the entire universe. God fills everywhere. He's everywhere. The presence of God is everywhere. So that even wherever you are, you are in him. You live, you move, and your very nature, your very life being is in him. But you can only find him if you seek him. And these are truisms. These are true and these are the truth. And I define true and truth the other day. I said, something is true, a thing is true when it is backed by facts. A thing is classified or considered to be true when you check the facts and the facts agree with what is said, then that thing is true. But you see, you can reject, once you reject the facts, then that, to you, that thing is no longer, no longer true. So, somebody may say something which is true to you. You go and check the facts, and the facts show that it is true. But for you to reject the truth, to, to judge that the fact that it is true, you have to reject the facts. And then you can say, oh, it is not true. Praise the Lord. But truth, truth is different from true. Truth is the, real, is the final reality. Truth is what is backed by the final reality. In the fact that final reality cannot be, cannot be, cannot be refused. You cannot reject it. You cannot reject what is finally true. And when what is finally true testifies or supports what is true, then that true becomes truth. In other words, you can reject the word of God now. You can say it's not true. You can reject all that Paul is saying, that it is not true, by rejecting the facts. But at the end of time, when the end comes, and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, of God, then the final reality will not dawn on you. And at that point, there shall be no denier. There shall be no refuser. Then the truth will be known to you, but then it shall be too late. This is philosophy. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I hope you all understand that. Then clap your two hands for Jesus. He says, seek him, and you will find him. Seek him. And I've said that there's one thing I like. I, I, I said for like, there's something we call, we call uh, assumptions. You see, assumption is, in this life, this life, child, listen carefully. If you listen to me, listen carefully. We live by assumptions. We live by assumptions. In the sense that you are told you are told that a car or a vehicle or an automobile moves. Automobile moves. Now, you don't need to go to find out whether it moves or not. You have to get into it. Get into it. Start the engine. They say, oh, turn the ignition key or the button and the engine will start. So, you assume that that is right. You assume that that is correct. Before you get in the car, you turn the ignition key or you press the ignition button and the engine starts. 
So the only way to know that it is true is by assuming that it is right. It is correct. What they are saying to you is true. That is what will make you get into the car. But if you stand outside the car and say, oh, it's not true, it can't be, then you will never find out. You will never find out whether it's true or not. So in the same way, what Paul is saying, in our worship of God, to find out whether, whether Paul, whether Paul, what Paul is saying is true or not, is you get, you seek God. Seek God. And then when you have found him, then you are not in a position to say whether it's true or not. But you cannot be outside. You cannot, you cannot be a person who don't, don't seek him and then you say oh, it's not true. No. Now, not living by a son. But this life, everything, most things are verified by assumptions. You first have to assume that he is true. And when you assume that he is correct, true, that's the one to make you go into it. Then you go into it. And then you find out that he is indeed true. If you get there and you find it's all true, you are free to come out again. Praise the Lord. Shall we all have these assumptions in the name of Jesus? So Paul told them the facts of life. Paul preached to them the realities of life, the facts of life. Seek him. You shall find God. He's not far. He's not far from us. In fact, in him, we live, we move, and we have our very being. Then he said, Look, you have idols, statues, altars of worship. Everywhere in Athens, everywhere in Africa, all over the world, they may not have idols or shrines in the Western developed worlds, but they also have their idols. They have their objects of worship. They have things that they worship, things that are dear to their hearts, where they lay their treasure. Anyone who rejects God, everyone who rejects Christ, you have accepted something else because man was made to accept something. One thing. You may say to me, I'm not religious. I don't no. If you say you are not religious, you are worshiping non-religiousness. Praise the Lord. You are worshiping something that you don't know. You still worshiping something that you don't know. God is not made of gold. He saw some statues of gold. Statues of silver, stone, altars, everywhere. Exactly as it is today. Altars, statues, objects of worship. Things that are very important to some people. And they will argue with you, fight with you over it. Fight with you over it. Even at the World Cup, World Cup that we all thought we were going to watch football. Football. It became... Uh, a tussle between LGBTQ, XYZ. It became the battleground for LGBTQ and, and what not. For the first few days, that's what happened. We thought we were going to watch, we don't know we are going to watch LGBTQ. What, what kind of thing is that? And that nearly spoiled the whole workout for me. Because I, was, I didn't turn my radio on to watch LGBTQ. Uh, what, what do they call them? GBQRT, GPTR, GPTR, uh, GTRUS. <laughs> plus, plus the plus. Hello? I was confronted. People, rainbow, God, now they say rainbow colors. Rainbow color, God 
create a rainbow, you will not destroy the world by water anymore. Now they become the colors of somebody. Now become the, 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 the somebody has taken that color, fighting, running with it. May God have mercy. So God is not made of gold, silver, or stone, like the idols he saw. <laughs> he is not shaped. The God that Paul preached and the God that we are preaching is not shaped by art or by man's device. And that's why people don't seem to understand it. How can you be watching something that you don't see? Someone you don't see, don't seem to understand it. Hmm. But, when you go to John chapter 4, verse 22, John 4, 22, John chapter 4, John's gospel, chapter 4, verse 22 and 24, 24, sorry, 22, 24, John chapter 4, verses 22, 23, and 24. This is Jesus speaking. He said, you worship what you do not know. We know what you worship for salvation of the Jews. You worship what you don't know. We know what you worship for salvation of the Jews. Idol worshippers, <laughs> those who worship idols, statues, those who worship anything other than God through Jesus Christ, what, they don't know what they are worshiping. They don't know what they are worshiping. Church, let it be known to you today, whatever you are on the face of the earth. I want to tell you today that anyone who is worshiping anything, anything else apart from God through Jesus Christ, that person does not know what he's worshiping. You think you are worshiping, but you don't know what you are worshiping. Because you are being held in ignorance. You are being kept in darkness. The devil will not tell you exactly what you are worshipping. So what you are worshipping, you, you don't even know what you are worshipping. You think you are worshipping maybe the idol in your village. You think the idol is called Fancy Beboho. But you don't really know what you are worshipping. Don't know. Don't know. But we know the God that we worship. God has made himself plainly open to us. We know the God that we worship. We know his natural attributes and we know his moral attributes. There's nothing that God has hidden from us. Everything that we know he has declared to us. A secret things, anything that is secret belongs to God. But the things that he has declared to us, they are for us our children, our children, children. All the things that we need to know about him are declared to us. But the God that you worship as an idol, you don't even know. What you call God is not God. He's a stone. He's something else. Shaped with man's hands, art. That's what you are worshiping. You don't even know what you are worshiping. This is what Jesus said. Praise the Lord. Clap your hand for Jesus. Verse 23. For the hour is coming. The hour is coming. And now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such worshiping. We worship God in spirit. We don't see God 
as a uh, uh, golden statue or golden silver. We worship it in spirit. No one can see God, God's face and live. God is spirit. And we, humans don't see spirits. But we worship him in spirit and in truth. Because God is seeking such to worship him. God is seeking those who worship him by faith. Spirit and truth. Not, because, not, not by seeing him. But you know him. You don't see him, but you know him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit. Therefore, those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. You don't need to see him. We don't, in fact, I don't want to see him now. God will have plenty of time in eternity to see him. So, on my short life here on earth, I'll just worship him by faith. May we all worship God by faith. Then he says, now, God commands all men to repent. Now. God is commanding all men to repent now. Now. Not tomorrow, not the day after tomorrow, not next year, not on 31st December. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by Christ Jesus. There's a day, and this is, this is a fact, there's a day that God has appointed and this day is not known to anyone. This day is not known to anyone except God himself. This is a day that God appointed. No one knows it. But there's a day coming. A day coming. On that day, that day God has appointed. On that day, then judgment will come. Everything will come to an end. One day I was doing deliverance in Teshi and uh, a demon was Talking and say, hey, that day, the demon, even the demon told it, that day it will be terrible. The demon said it. So I said, what day? He said, hey, don't you know that day? When that day comes, hmm, <laughs> we tremble when we think of that day. This is what the demon said. We tremble when we think of that day. So I said, what day? He couldn't declare a day because that day, so terrible for them. He couldn't, he couldn't even want to think, he didn't want to think about it. That day, that day, that day. On that day, God will judge the whole world in righteousness in Christ Jesus. He has appointed a man, and that man is Jesus. The man Jesus, the name which we don't want to hear, he is the one who is sitting in judgment, in judgment, in judgment. And he will judge in righteousness. Because his judgment will find out. There will be no appeal. No appeal. He will judge in righteousness. And his verdict, when he passes judgment, is final. There's no court of appeal. There's no controversy, no argument. There's nothing like bribery. You cannot bribe him. Praise the Lord. In righteousness. And that day is coming. And what is the proof of this day? Then Paul said, he has given assurance of this day. He has given proof of this day. By raising Jesus from the dead. Now he talks about the resurrection. The proof, God's proof that this day will surely come is the same way at the third day when he raised Christ from the dead. That third day came and Christ rose from the dead. And that is the assurance, that's the proof. Now, when the philosopher heard of this, the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. I can't talking. 
When he finished, there were three campuses. Every time Jesus repeated three campuses, the majority mock. The majority mock. Not only other of God, they mock at the preach. They mock the preacher. They mock the word of God. They mock Jesus. They mock. Mock means to insult and fasten idiot. Come here with your say it's nonsense. The most postpone procrastinate. We will hear you in on this. You have heard. How do you want to do it again? You have heard it all. Hear it again will not make any difference. Oh, okay. We have. Oh, what are you saying? It seems reasonable, but we will hear you again on this matter. So you go. We'll call you back. And the third group are the few, like Danishios and uh, Damaris, and others who. Damaris, they, 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 they belong to Aeropagos. They were there. They have heard different, different things before. They were Aeropagites. That was where they worked, or that's where they were. They have heard different doctrines, people coming to defend their religion. But when they heard this one, they believed. Damaris, Danishios, and others, they believed, and they followed Paul. Praise the Lord. Clap or two hands for Jesus. Meanwhile, these philosophers never argued with the, they never, they never mocked the, the idols. They never mocked the statues. They never held the false religions in contempt. They accepted them. But when the true word of God was preached, they mocked. They procrastinated. They, they postponed. But a few, Dionysius and Damanus, believed. Now, when we go to 2 Timothy, Chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 25, 26. 2 Timothy 2, verse 25 and 26. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. The Bible says that in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. We don't fight them. We don't argue with them. We don't oppose them. But we try to correct them. Correcting those who are in opposition. If God, perhaps, will grant them repentance. If God, perhaps, will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. They may know the truth. So that they may know the truth. And that they may come to their senses. Is that in your Bible? Is that what is written in your Bible? Then Abi says they may come to their senses. What the Bible says they may come to their senses. In that way, they are out of their senses. Praise the Lord. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. Look at this scripture. Very, 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 very instructive. Many things we can learn from this. And this tells you about the situation of those who have been given over to idols. If a whole city like Athens 
with philosophers, with knowledgeable, wise men, wise women, philosophers. People with their PhD, who have studied, knowledgeable in every, you know, science, mathematics, everything. If they could be held captive, given over to idols, if they could be given over to idols, then it means that you and I, we are no match. We can't unless God, God granted that repentance. That's why it's all by grace. It's all by grace that God has granted you that repentance. Otherwise, to be given over to idols, that means that your whole life, your entire life is taken captive by idols. Now, the devil being the devil, being a clever devil, may not have given you a me to entire to idol, but a certain area of your life. He has taken a certain area of your life. So you will not think that he is there. So you will not see him as being the, the ruler of your life. You may even be in the church, but a certain area, a certain place of blessing has been taken over, been given over because of ancestral covenants. Because of the worship of our ancestors, some areas, it may be, it may be some sickness in your life, your marriage, your pregnancy, your finances, your progress, your promotion. One area given over to idols. You may very well be in a church praying and all that, but the devil is still holding you captive concerning that area. Because he has seen that you, God has granted that repentance. He cannot take you entirely over. But because of ancestral covenants, covenants which have been reached before, he's holding on to this, this thing. Today, as you go into prayer, may the Lord deliver us all from these things. Nibuetan, Teshin, Temma, Michelle Camp, and our brethren and diaspora, may God deliver us from all these things. Your amen was not enough. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Bible is saying that there are some who are in opposition. Many of them is not by themselves. And the devil opposing through them. It's the devil who is at work through them. Because they have, been, they have been captured to do his will. They even come to the church. They may come to the church to do the devil's will. To destroy the church. Leave some people out, cause confusion, division, cause lack of faith. They are on an agenda. They come like to do, they have been taken captive to do his will. And one, to do the devil's will, they must be in churches. They cannot do that. The, the devil is already holding the whole world lying in wickedness. It is only in the church where there is righteousness and holiness. So they must come to churches. And they are, they, 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 many of them are succeeding. They are succeeding. Therefore, Paul said, we are not ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. We are not ignorant of the devices, the schemes of the devil. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, 2 Timothy 2, 25, 26 says, In humility, correct in those who are in opposition. And you know what? If God, perhaps, will grant them repentance, if they'll be humble enough, God will give them the power to repent. 
So that they may know the truth. They may know the truth. I've defined what truth is. Truth is what is true in the final reality. So you can know the truth now. It's possible to know what is the truth now. And that we confirmed the final reality. What is true now, know it. But to know the truth, it means that it's established. It's established. And that they may come to their senses. They may come to their senses. And escape the snare, the trap, the prison, the captivity of the devil. Having been taken captive by him to do his will. Like the, 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 the girl with the divination, with the, the spirit of divination. She's been taken captive. This young girl filled with the spirit of divination. And some masters were profiting by her captivity. Masters using this little girl put the demons in her and were making money. Making money by her captivity. Making money. And when Paul cast out this spirit, the masters were enraged. They were furious because the source of their income was gone. So they rose against Paul and his companions. Why sell own business? They sold their business. To be given over to, uh, to idols benefits some people. Certainly benefits Satan because it means that he's going to populate hell with you. When you are, you are given over to an idol, it means that you are going to, you are going to, Satan is going to use you to populate hell. When Jesus wants to populate heaven with you, Satan wants to populate. So to be, to be given over to an idol is advantageous to the devil. It's also advantageous to some people around. Because even if you are a woman, people will just have children with you and not marry you. And if you're a man, we just have children, no marriage, no progress, no life. So it's always advantageous to some people to be given over to idols. And that's why today we are going to pray. We are going to pray. And we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. And I'm believing God that God will release his power into this auditorium, into a testing, Michelle Camp, and Neighbor Town. And even if you're watching us and in the comfort of your living room, if only you pray with us, God, who is everywhere, in him, we live, we move, we have our being. He's there with you. He's not far from you. He may deliver you. And may he deliver you. In the name of Jesus. And when he delivers you, you will be free. And you shall be free indeed. You shall be free and you shall be free indeed. In the name of Jesus. So giving over to idols is a very pitiful, it's a very serious, debased situation. Taking captive. You may be successful in your profession. Like the philosophers. Successful may be a, a doctor, senior lecturer, lecturer, engineer, scientist. You know all the physics and chemistry. You know everything, but, but, take note by other. I, I remember very well when we were, when we were, as a final illustration, when we were 
medical school, medical school, medical school. You had a lecturer. He was a surgeon. This man was a surgeon. He was my lecturer. Senior surgeon. Very good. And he, not only was he teaching surgery, but he was also teaching anatomy. He used to teach anatomy and surgery. Very brilliant guy. Graduated from UK top universities and came to Ghana as a surgeon. Kolebu, we all feared him. Considered him, you know, we call him superior brains. Those we call them superior brains. But you know this man? It was rumored. It was alleged. So he won't take me to court. It was alleged that every evening, and this man had a very poor car. You know, actually had a poor, no, they're very poor car. Every evening he would drive to Circle and pick up prostitutes. He had a wife and children. And students used to see him go around and go, do I know who any? No, I can't order oh, every. No, not you. I don't like this type. No, you are not my type. And he finds that he used to pick up girls at Circle. And then the next day, he's in the lecture room, you know, teaching and uh, marking our shift, passing us and failing some. Brainy guy. But that was his problem. That's his problem. Giving over to adults. You can see that area of his life has been taken captive by the enemy. And it was very disgraceful. I knew Sam. He couldn't help. I was in Takwa many years ago. Takwa. There was a doctor at the Takwa Hospital. Doctor at Takwa Hospital. Everybody respected. People go and kill doctor. Oh, yeah, doctor, doctor. But when he closes from work, after work, he will close by 3 o'clock, 1 o'clock, it's finished. There was a, a pub, a joint at Takwa near the station where all the prostitutes gather. And by the roadside, like a, 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 not inside, this man will go in, in broad daylight, see the prostitutes sitting on his lap. Now, now uh, uh, what do you call prostitutes? 224, number. 224. Jantra, another 22. Which one? Both. Jantra and 22. Each one will be okay, okay. Jantra, 22. Ashaway. <laughs> then they were sitting on, on his lap. No, 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 no. From the consulting room to the, to the roadside, though, main roadside. No, be a henna. No, I know be a YSL. I know be a MITM. Jantra for two, two, four, shall So this tells you that anyone can be given over to idols. Anyone, irrespective of who, you may think you are bringing, you know everything, but the fact that you cannot accept Jesus alone is enough. They can be holding you captive, blinding you. Bible said that those who are perishing, if someone are perishing, these are the ones who uh, uh, the devil has blinded. Those who are, the devil has blinded. Their captivity is blindness. So the light of the gospel doesn't shine on them. Doesn't shine on them. They think they are being they are doing opposition, difficult. I don't understand. But still, the devil at work in their lives. So they will not accept. Perhaps God will grant them repentance. In the same way, coming back home to FCAC. Sunday morning, it's time to come to church. Hello? Saturday night, you say, oh, tomorrow, I'll tell me a pastor, tomorrow I'm going to church. 
Nibwe town, Teshi, oh, tomorrow. Then Sunday morning, exactly at 8 o'clock. Oh, today I feel very tired. And I'm a nantem. Okay, I'll go next week. You are being held captive. It's captivity. Praise the Lord. You are yielding to idols. Now, as soon as church is over, you know we close at 12 o'clock. So, at 1 o'clock, as soon as it's 1 o'clock, oh, I'm going to call you now. <laughs> that is happening to you. When the church is over, I say, oh, as you have gone, why didn't I go? Okay, but I'll go next week. Captivity. Captivity. When we've done that three or four times, then now you don't even think of coming anymore. Now, if you're very, you're very normal, I say, oh, my, you're not coming because normal. Then I have to call you. Oh, <laughs> daddy, remember, oh, daddy, I'll come here. Daddy, remember, Uba one spare, then that is it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. Clap for two and for Jesus. Yeah, the devil knows that as long as you keep coming, this is the house of God and the gate of heaven. As long as you keep coming, that's when your deliverance will come. So he'll keep you out. Keep you out. In Jesus' name, may none of us, may nothing in our lives, listen, may none of us, and may not one thing in our lives, be ever given over to idols. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, say a better amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this Sunday morning's Bible study and sermon. We believe you have been blessed by the word. Join us same time next Sunday and have a blessed week.